probably did hate Mayo. And we thought it was hate at the time because these guys are trying to take away our dreams. The Football Pod live. Thursday, June 2nd in Castle Bar. Check out otbsports.com forward slash events and get your tickets now. The Football Show on Off The Ball. With Sky. All the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports. I'm prepared to end it in my country. Do it then. Do it then. What about your start to the game? I was, it wasn't bad, was it? Why <laughs> should there be an honest answer be a mistake? How can a modern day manager not have a mobile phone? Why should he? <gasps> You're very welcome along to the football show. Potentially a decisive weekend. In the Premier League, there is now a three-point gap between Manchester City and Liverpool. Everton, meanwhile, are looking good to avoid the drop. You would say they're one point clear of Leeds and Burnley with a game in hand. So it's looking like Burnley or Leeds going down with Watford and Norwich. Three games to sort that out. As for Champions League football, Arsenal now four points clear of Spurs. Same number of games played. They play on Thursday. So this is all bubbling away very nicely. Mark Lawrence is with us. Hello. Good afternoon. I say decisive, probably not decisive at all, actually, just the latest uh, twist or turn. Uh, We might start with Man City because Pep Guardiola feels that there's an incredible media bias against Manchester City. So it's uh, good to talk to Liverpool legend Mark Lawrence in here to prove him wrong. (laughs) I think he's right, by the way. I think when he says the whole country pretty much would prefer Liverpool to beat City and there are more Liverpool pundits in the media. He's right. But like, there's an obvious reason for that, but he is probably right. Well, the obvious reason is the money, isn't it? In terms of the in terms of the country that that backs Manchester City and <clears throat> the fact that Liverpool, in terms of recruitment, my specialist subject, um, have just got it so much better. In where where they're they're shopping in completely different places than Manchester City are, but they bought some outstanding players and made them into world class players. And um, good luck to City. I mean, who wouldn't want to play for them? Who wouldn't want to manage them? You know, as far as they're concerned. Yet yeah, the owners have loads of money. Happy days, let's get on with it. But I just think there's something about Liverpool as well. And it's not just it's not just the way they play or the manager. I think it's also to do with the history. Even people who don't necessarily particularly like football, I think they like watching Liverpool and for many different reasons, you know, and, and including Hillsborough and including Heysel and all those kind of kind of things and on all the history, both both good and bad that that football club has. And I think in the media the more successful players go into punditry and you had that golden era and a lot of the Liverpool players went into punditry lots of them still there and now we're seeing the lag the Manchester United players are starting to dominate punditry so maybe in 10 years time we'll have all the City players sitting there Uh, no because most of them aren't aren't from around here and they'll clear off I don't know it might be be different I would always say that um, obviously myself and and Alan Hansen were really fortunate to get the jobs with BBC and stuff. But but you know what I thought? I used to say to people that, you know, we, we did so many interviews over the years and whether it's friendships with people from the, from the media that were already in there working or it's thinking, well, actually, they, they speak a little bit of sense, uh, they're reliable, uh, whatever. Um, I, th- I think that's all part and parcel of it. I mean... I'm sure that uh, Jamie Carragher and, and and obviously Gary Neville could have gone into management. Well, Gary did. I mean, obviously rather short uh, lived at uh, Valencia, wasn't it? But Jamie was. No, I'm never going to do that. But he always felt that he he always had something to say. He had something to say on the pitch. I mean, while he wasn't the captain when Stevie G was there, he was very much a, a leader, which everybody kind of knew as well. And 
he's even got over the fact that he was an Everton supporter when he was a, when he was a young boy. I mean, that's almost unheard of. And he, he, he goes on about Liverpool all the time, like all of us. So of City's performance, fresh from European disappointment, uh, Sterling with the first, Laporte the second, uh, Rodri with yet another header, Foden fourth, Sterling then his second, City's fifth. Yeah. It did strike me there are different ways of doing things in football and they did win with a certain panache here which would send a message. Like I thought, for instance, akin to Benzema's penalty at the Etihad, he didn't just score the penalty. It was a bloody no. penenka. It, it sent yeah. a certain message to Man City. If you think we're feeling the pressure here, we're very comfortable in this environment. And City, City send a message yeah. there. I was I was working for one of the TV stations on the Saturday evening after the Liverpool game and, and um, mm. the, the guy, the interviewer said to me, well, City might find it tough tomorrow. And I was like, actually, absolutely, totally not. What you want is a game, and what you want is a, is a game where you know everything is is on the line. And all right, you know they suffered the defeat, but it's just a defeat. They're actually unlucky against Real Madrid. Obviously, one or two of the calls weren't great, but they were really, really unlucky when you when you look at it. Certainly in the Bernabeu, and I just think as I'm going back to my to my days and going back to our old dressing room, if that had happened to us, we'd be like, let's play tomorrow, but let's get rid of this. Let's like park it somewhere else and. And that's what they did. Although, you know, Woods should have scored for Newcastle. It was, that was a fabulous chance so, so early on in the game. And then, obviously, it could be different because, you know, goals change games. But I was I was never in any doubt that, that Man- Manchester City were going to win and win comfortably. And I think a lot of people involved in the game would have looked and thought, do you know what? Good luck to Newcastle here, by the way. Man City are about to win a fourth league in five, let's just say for a moment. Yeah. And yet haven't got it done in Europe. So what does that say about them as a team or about their greatness or their lack of greatness for you? Ah, they're still they're still a fabulous team. I mean, themselves and Liverpool are, are, are one of two of the best clubs in the world. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I think it takes a bit of time to win the Champions League. I, I, I think they slipped up with the, the Lyon decision. I think, is that two or three years ago? Yeah, where two. They suddenly and then had, the final last year, yeah. And then the final last year and you're kind of thinking, is, is Klopp, at the clock, is Pep overthinking it? You know, when you when you look at his substitutions uh, in the Bernabeu, they, they were for a reason. They were for good reasons. And then you look at, you know, the two chances that uh, Grealish had. I mean, the goalkeeper saving with his studs. It's just you just sometimes know it's not going to be a night. And then was it the was it the second goal on the night for Real Madrid where it flicked off one of their own players? Yeah. Before they actually scored, I mean. I've never seen a goal like that in my life before, um, you know. And so I, I think, just think they were very, very unlucky. And sometimes the best team doesn't win a football match. It's, it's the way that football happens. And it's why we love it so. Yes. And why we have but but what, what does it say when the best team doesn't win the match across several years? There is something off there. There has to be. Um. Yeah, I, 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 you know what? I don't know what my answer to that is. I, I, re, I really wouldn't know. I'm, I don't think. Are you trying to say to me almost kind of surreptitiously? Is it something to do in the dressing dressing room? Or do they get a little bit too nervous? All those kind of things. Well, that, I wouldn't know, but what I, I don't think so because you played some fabulous football in the two games. Mm. Absolutely fabulous, and what they scored six goals, didn't they? So. I'm not. I'm not sure what it is. Um, you might. We might think it's it's belief, 
but the way they play, maybe it was just the other night. I think was just a little bit. Well, you know, we moan all the time when we when when we were up against one of the foreign teams and they're falling over and they're wasting time and they're in front and all those kind of things. And we and we moan about it. I think maybe City were guilty of not doing a little bit of that, just slowing the game down. I think maybe their problem might be is that they just think every time they get the ball, they can score. Um, the problem is in the Champions League. So can the top teams against you. Hmm. In answer to your question, I don't quite know what I'm saying, but I do find it all very oh. striking because you watch them week in, week out. They're, like the <laughs> they're such a brilliant. They're such a brilliant team. There's nothing mm. very obvious to pinpoint. And look, in previous years, Pep has made some very glaring changes, and so you could put it all in his door. This year, it's a more yeah. complicated picture. You couldn't say he did something very glaring. So you're still looking at them trying to figure out what the issue is. And right, well, I take I, I take your point, unlucky on the night, but this is yeah. stretching back across a period and they're such a, you know, they're kind of, well, fourth league, if it is a fourth league in five, they're utterly dumb. They're the best team in Europe in many respects. Yeah. I wonder I wonder if it is just that it is a, it is a mentality, which is just, you know, we are so good. Uh, we can keep the ball, we can score at any time. And... I think it's a bit like they don't want to be seen just kicking the ball 50 yards forward and squeezing up and say, you know, we, we have, we are, we hold what we have. So yeah. maybe, maybe it's a little bit of that. Maybe the way that, that Pep teaches them all and he does, and even when the top players go there, he teaches them something a little bit different, which is why he is, is so good. Look at De Bruyne. Is that little bit of, do you know what boys, for 10 minutes, for 10 minutes, let's chuck it in the corners. And let's all squeeze up and let's see if they can score from 85 yards away, the, the, the other team. So, and I think it's a little bit, oh, we can still play, we're brilliant, we're this, we're that, which is all all kind of good. But maybe maybe it's a bit of that. Yeah, I, well, I would tend to agree with that for sure. And like they weren't against lobbing it forward in the final couple of minutes of the second half of extra time. Ederson was pumping the ball forward when things were really desperate. Uh, Jack, Grealish, yeah. Jack Grealish was very much to the fore yesterday in their win. And yet... I'm curious for your thoughts. Against Real Madrid, he had those two... I mean, it was brilliant play as well, those two opportunities. And yeah. didn't quite go his way. You can't fault him for that. They're just, that's just great play. No. However, however, I think we did see why Guardiola does not trust Grealish in a microcosm. And there was a well, five, six-minute period where he let Asensio go really badly and got cussed out of it by his fellow defenders. And then he didn't stop. It was the first cross in particular. And then considering he's fresh... Second cross, he'd have a bit of a question to answer as well. Yeah, he can't get away with that at the Bernabeu, and he has to learn you can't get away with that. And and, and well, those he, those margins. Yeah, well, that's it. That that that, that is the, the the finality of of all of it. And I mean, I don't know. I presume that Klopp. Uh, see, I keep saying Klopp. Whether um, Guardiola said something to him after the match or not, I'm I'm not quite sure. But there was also. There was also uh, yesterday mm. where the ball came in from the right. I can't remember who it was, City's point of view. And actually, you know, he's playing on the left, but he never came in to attack the ball because if he had, he'd have scored. And it was almost, it, it's almost like he'd like, oh, oh, should I go or should I not? And I think next season he'll be going because they'll be making the point to him. But look, you know, he's... It, He's very, very talented. I wouldn't have him in my starting eleven at the moment. I think he will only get better because um, it just he does a lot of things really, really well. But you know what? He just the cut inside, cut inside, cut inside all the time, which is fine. But 
people get used to it. And they just, you know, the fullback goes to him and then the right side of midfield goes to him and go, OK, you come inside, you come inside and try and hurt us. So um, that's something, obviously, he's going to have to try and get another trip. But he's, he's still a, a very, very good player. But I, I wouldn't have him in my starting eleven. Mm. So the word is that the Erling Haaland deal is very much nearing completion. And the other reporting yeah. over the weekend is that Manchester City are looking at Paul Pogba on a free transfer. So imagine Pep Guardiola rings you up and says, Mark, Pogba, what do you think? I'd say no. I'd say absolutely, categorically, no. Um, and, he say, he, and, and he says to you, I can get him playing for me like he plays for France. Well, everyone else has tried, and I think there's a number. Um, no, I just, I, I, I'm sorry, I, I wouldn't trust him. I just would not trust him. I think the other thing as well is Pogba, Man United, what's his best position? They've tried him everywhere. Hmm. They've absolutely tried him everywhere. Does he actually give you 100% on the pitch? I'd argue no. And then, you know, you can't afford that, certainly, in, in, in any team. And we know he's a different player playing for France and he, he plays more freely, but Manchester United have tried him playing that way. You can't rely on him. And, and I'm sorry, I don't, think, I don't think he gets the hard work ethic. I think it's all about he has to be on the ball, he has to be the star. Well, you know, in football, sometimes week in, week out, you cannot be the best player, although you'd absolutely love to be. Maybe De Bruyne can be, but and that's the other thing with him. And I just, I just don't think you can rely on him. And the other thing is that he, you know, he'd go to Manchester City, and yes, obviously, you know, brilliant team as as we know. But you see how hard they work. See how hard De Bruyne worked. See how many different positions De Bruyne picks up in the turn in, in the game, see how, how often he comes back to defend. And by the way, doesn't mind a little bit of a tackle. You know, Foden, um, all all those kind of lads. And you can't you can't have ten keys, ten T's, one coffee in in a in a football team at that level. You you've all got to put an absolute shift in. Even if you're not playing particularly well, you, you've got to be you have to be part of the team. And as soon as soon as the chain breaks, there's a problem. And I was would I just wouldn't trust him at all. Were you at Anfield Saturday? I was, and I thought Tottenham were really good. Um, and I think that, you know, they did, they defended extremely well and had to for, for long periods of the game. But you know what? When they broke forward, they were very, very dangerous. I mean, we saw the other week when Everton went there that they couldn't break forward, but they held Liverpool for what for, for about an hour. Mm. But they were Tottenham were very good going forward. And I think they're a little bit hurt that they might not have got an extra two points as well and they really they made Liverpool actually on on Saturday night look I wouldn't say average but look not look anywhere near the best and you know everyone comes off that and all the supporters oh we didn't play very well and all that but you go hang on a minute Tottenham played really really well it's, it's funny isn't it that Tottenham have drawn twice with Liverpool this year and beaten Man City twice I mean that that's a fair old stat so um I just thought I thought they were really good I thought they were very very competitive Liverpool actually didn't create many clear-cut opportunities, which is unusual for them. So Spurs very much 5-4-1. Conte knows how to organise a team and they were set up and said, break us down. Mm. Those moments where not so much not so much the one where Thiago eight times out of ten would have dinged it perfectly to Alexander-Arnold. More so where Alexander-Arnold is almost overcooking crosses totally and missing everyone and, and, and it's starting to look a little bit like they're running out of ideas. Against other teams, we've seen Liverpool, you know, quick defeat, move, 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 quick one, two, one, two, and, and create something. Mm. 
what was your read on why that wasn't happening? Are we putting that down to Spurs as well? No, I think just they didn't have one of the better days. Okay. Uh, yes, yes, the opposition were contributing to it. They just didn't have one of the the better days, in all honesty. Mm. Um, and it and it happens. I mean, it absolutely, totally happens. And people forget they've had they've had a few of those this season. I think Brentford away, amongst others, where the two 0 pitch Chelsea got drawn back to two two. I think so. Look, it's it they, they can't be brilliant every single week. But what happens against? Against the kind of lesser team, shall I say, certainly at home, they, they, the lesser teams have to concentrate for, for so long that in the end the chain kind of breaks a little bit. Somebody knocks off and, and, and Liverpool are in or, or they've already devastated you within the first sort of 45 minutes. But I thought they played Mane and, uh, and Salah extremely well and, and Diaz even, you know. So, no, I just, I, I'm, I'm just a little bit, you know, well done, well done Tottenham. Hmm. I, th- I thought they were really, really good, and 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 it it's hard, you know, when when you're playing at home against a team like that because yes, you're going to have loads of the ball, but also defensively in the back of your mind, you're thinking these these are good on the break, these are really, really good on the break, and maybe you don't quite get that hundred percent commitment to all go forward. It's a little bit all oh, well, hold on a bit here, lads. So I just go. One one of those days, he dealt with it well, didn't he? The manager said it's 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 an extra point, so we've we've got a chance. Um, he, but yeah, he's he's also a wonderfully terrible loser, Jurgen Klopp. And yeah, so he, you know, it's absolutely he, killing him. He, he'd love to actually slaughter Conti and everybody. Well, well, he didn't. The referees a lot. He didn't go far short. I mean, talk about damning with faint praise. So of Conte and the Spurs organization in defence. Yeah. Klopp said, I'm sorry, I'm the wrong person to ask about that because I don't like this kind of football. That's my personal opinion. I think they're world class and they should do more for the game. End quote. Yeah. So that's a real, think about that in the drive home Conte moment. Yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> look, it's, it's, quite, it's quite clever, isn't it? It, it really seriously is clever. And, um, is it clever or has it just been a bad loser? No, well, I think it's a bit of both. But he, he could never be as bad as Ronnie Moran. Never, ever, ever. He wins that title by a million miles. So, what was Ronnie like then after defeat? Oh my God! And honestly, and it was just like it was. A, if you lost a game, certainly at home, it was personal insult to himself, his family, his dog, you name it. Absolutely, the lot. It was all right after 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 a while, but oh my goodness me, not good. And if you're travelling six hours back from Southampton and we've been beaten and been particularly poor. It was not a good place to be on that coach. Okay, you wouldn't start a chant saying, "Can we get some beers on the coach that day?" Well, we we the, the the rule was basically if we did if we lost, no, we wouldn't have any. Um, but if we won or draw, get on with it. Happy days or a draw, jeez, slackers. Yeah, draw. slackers. Well, you know, slackers. slackers. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. But the thing, but but what what I I never noticed at first. But so we're all down the back of the bus, like teams are and everything and the boot room staff would be at the front there'd only be like three or four of them not like the 30 that there is now mm. and um they'd, they'd be drinking i first thought they were just drinking lucas aid i never realized for the first couple of games it was just whiskey wasn't it <laughs> it, 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 it was whiskey in the lucas aid bottle <laughs> so um yeah and talking about staff you know i was waiting to i was waiting to go down the tunnel at the end of the match and i was i was counting um because it was right by the tottenham changing room the number of, of staff that they have is, I mean, it was like it was like 30-odd people. I'm like, 
what do they all do? It was just absolutely amazing. After staff after staff after staff, you think, wow, what a what a ways Bill they must have. I mean, Liverpool would be the same as well. Obviously, I wasn't stood outside their dressing room. So hang on, you're telling me hand on heart, the, yeah. The the management, the boot room, were up the front drinking whiskey out of Lucas Aid bottles on the way home. Cause... A Lucas Aid, a Lucas Aid bottle, <laughs> not one each. And, and no, no, and and sometimes, sometimes in the winter, um, they it would be in the in the dugout with them, like just a little shot. We, I've, I've told you, I've suddenly told lots of people that there was a. We had whiskey in the in the dressing room before games. We had, there was always a bottle yeah. of whiskey. Um, I think at one stage it might have been a bit of brandy. I'm not sure, but generally it's always always a bottle of whiskey, and you could go and just have a little tot. And it was only because you get a little bit of fire inside you, a little bit of warmth, just a little bit of come on. So it, it was not an issue. They weren't like writing and oh, Lawrence and had some last week. Didn't play very well. It was it was just there. Yeah. Um, and I have to say, it worked. Listen, this is what this is what Man City needed, maybe in Europe. Uh, possibly. Um, don't drink now, really. No. So, Liverpool at Villa Park Tuesday tomorrow. Man City, Molyneux yeah. Wednesday. Goal difference coming into this now. So City are plus four. Like we're now at the point of Liverpool needing City potentially to drop three and then maybe drop another one. Potentially depends on uh, how things go. But goal difference starting to nudge in their favour after the weekend as well. What 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 are you feeling about the championship at this stage? That there's only one team can win it, which right. is which is City, and and you know, you now we're now saying, oh, maybe Liverpool's remaining fixtures are easier than City. They've got a couple of injuries, but uh, I know where I would rather be. I would ra- I would rather be in that Manchester City dressing room, um, because you know they've they've got the bit between the teeth, haven't they? So, and, and as I say, that was that was a very good but very expected win yesterday. Mm. Brighton four, Manchester United nil. Sorry, I just stopped myself from laughing. Um, <laughs> two things, yeah. two things. Obviously, Brighton, my old team. I mean, and as everybody knows, they don't score at home. Um, they, they've had a really good day, and people are saying Graham Potter going to go higher and all that kind of stuff. He's done a really, really good job there. I don't think he's ready for top six yet, but he's done a very, very good job. But you know, they, they, they've had a long spell of, of not winning as well. But he's a good coach. Um, Manchester United are. Just an absolute mess for the same reasons that we keep talking about. That you know you can't have an interim manager. Um, obviously, that upsets the dressing room, which we can just tell it's it's there isn't a dressing room as such. It doesn't matter what players are playing. And, and Ten Hag has got he's got a massive massive rebuilding job to do. I hear people say, "Yeah, will he get rid of those ten? And by the way, it's difficult to get rid of players nowadays because you have to pay the contracts up. And unless Manchester United are willing to give an absolute fortune away, I've got or get some really high numbers in terms of transfers out, I think it's going to be a, a real, real struggle. And they're just, they are just absolutely all over the place. The goalkeeper's been the best player for them all season, which says something about Manchester United. Yeah, I was thinking of uh, Son being interviewed at Anfield and he was talking yeah. about the goal they scored. And you mentioned how good Spurs were when they did eventually <laughs> break away here and there in the game. And Son mm. was saying for the goal, which was just brilliantly executed, we all know where to run in those moments. We've gone through it. We know exactly what we're doing. And it showed. And you just think, well, this is Conte. This is what he can do very, very quickly at a club. And I don't know, delusions of grandeur. You still have so many Manchester United former players or pundits saying, well, Conte still wouldn't have been right for Manchester United, which is just uh, 
ludicrous at this stage. I mean, he can he can win both ways, whatever way you want. But so why they have thought that interim manager to the end of the season was going to end any other way is just beyond me. It was it's one of the, it's one of their most disastrous appointments yeah. because Champions League football would have been easily should have been if they'd had, had a half decent manager in there in there easily within their grasp. And so they've yeah. they've polluted the waters for next season as well. Yeah, you know, but absolutely definitely. But one of the big problems, and people people very seldom mention it, that okay, Fergie stopped, but David Gill stopped with him. Yes. Now da- David Gill, apart from being a top bloke, like he was is into UEFA, he was into into all sorts of different people in terms of obviously agents, etc. Had a great way way of dealing with him. Uh, I think the scouting system was completely different. Absolutely everything about it was different under David Gill. And, you know, if Fergie said, I want to go and sign him, they would generally go and sign him. Um, so that's been a major, major problem for them. I mean, they've changed all those kind of, I call them behind the scenes jobs anyway, haven't they? Mm. And uh, what was it? What was his name? Edward Woodward came in. But Edward Woodward was appointed by the Glaciers. But they, they appointed him because on the back of what he did in terms of sponsorship and the deals, not not transfer deals on the deals for the club, and they thought this fellow's great. Let's let him manage the team. I mean, by his own admission, eventually you'll say, Edward Woodward would say, I, "I don't really know much about football," and he doesn't. And and that's been the problem. It's like you know, my mate Moisey is in hindsight now. If they'd kept him and said, "Right, you've got you've got a year. Let's 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 work with these and and turn them round into the into the team that you want them to be." All right, it's not the Manchester United way, but they'd love that now. He'd 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 have made he'd have made a really good fist of it. I know he would, but yeah. he he just wasn't given the time. And then they start to go down, you know, celebrity managers, whatever you want to call them, who you just know they're guns for hire for a year or eighteen months. So the the decision makers at Manchester United behind the scenes have been a disaster, an absolute disaster. It's still somewhat staggering how far they've fallen. On mm. Raphael Varane, he's arriving into what Jesse Lingard would tell Paul Scholes is a disastrous dressing room culture and the team don't seem to have much of a plan either. But Varane at Madrid, certainly when he first came to the fore, looked to be a brilliant player and is a World Cup winner. He had a very sketchy game at the weekend. Where are you and Varane? What are you seeing there? I don't... Do you know what? I, I, I'm a... Why did Madrid sell him? I mean, I, th- I think he missed quite a lot of games at Madrid with his, with his knee... Yeah, um, and I think he's missed quite a lot of games at Manchester United with this knee, which suggests to me that he, he has to nurse it, and he can't do a Paul McGrath and not train all week, and then you know be the best player on the pitch. So um, that that's the biggest they've they've taken the gamble with him, and it and it's not taken off. Um, so yeah, he was top top player at, at Madrid, but Manchester United, he's not even been five out of ten, has he? Not really. I mean, you kind of you're inclined to give him the benefit of the doubt given his stature. But if he had just yeah. arrived, a la Victor Lindelof, and nobody really knew much about him, I think that would be criticised as well. He'd be criticised oh. for sure. Yeah. Well, Lindelof, uh, Lindelof is is decent, isn't he? But he's yeah. not. He's not top of the tree. Harry Harry Maguire is decent, but he's not quick. So put the three together. Three together, and it's it's just. It's just not happening for them. So mm. that's, you know, they talk about Ten Hag. That's the first thing he's got to do is, is sort them out defensively. Because obviously, if you can keep enough clean sheets in this Premier League, you, you will always get chances with the talent that Manchester United and Dantley do have um, when they all turn up. Yeah. You know, they'd, they'd be shooting right up the league. 
In a an odd uh, disclosure, Ralph Rannick further undermined his own position by admitting that he really pushed the board to sign a striker in January, given the Greenwood situation, the Martial situation, Cavani's yeah. injuries, etc. He felt we really need a striker here. And he said the board said no. And he was asked as to why they said no. And he said, I don't know. So, I mean, hell of a consultancy uh, job here he's doing. He's really, really um, working in the corridors of power there. Um, so that leaves Ronaldo. Would you do you suspect Ten Hag will look at Ronaldo as, as he's, he's watching these games very closely now and he's having to decide what are my priorities? As in, I can buy maybe three, four or push five players over the summer. What do you yeah. suspect he will think of the Ronaldo situation? Well, he's going to have to keep him until he gets somebody better. Uh, and they're probably talking about two, aren't they? Because Cavani will be gone, will he not? Yeah, gone. I think, he, I think he's gone. Greenwood, obviously, we don't know. Rashford's kind of faded away completely. So you'd have to keep Ronaldo until you're absolutely 100% um, certain that, that you know, you can't get anybody else in. I mean, even if you just get one, you'd probably still need still need a Ronaldo and, and, and go so far as to say the first one you get in terms of the striker, you might have to look at it in a case to play with Ronaldo, mm. you know, to be an offset to, to Ronaldo because you might only be able to get one in. I mean, he's, it looks like he's got so many players to get in and I, I don't know whether he knows how big this job is. I mean, it's absolutely massive because... It just you look at the football club and you say, how's that disappeared down the drain so quickly? It really seriously, seriously has, and it's not easy getting back, as Liverpool t- will tell you. Mm. It was interesting. And then of course yeah. you've got you've got you've got Newcastle, so you know they they're going to be obviously trying to buy better players. Mm. Um, I'm not saying they're going to finish in the top six, but I think they'll be a lot higher than they are and be a little bit more competitive as as well. But you know, they're now in the mix in terms of the money. Chelsea will still be in there, won't they? Arsenal, etc. Yeah. So, big league next year. No, for sure. It's interesting. Rangnick was asked which players he was thinking about in January and he made a point of mentioning Diaz as being one on the market. So, there's a degree of self-preservation there, I'm, I'm sure, on his part. But Well, uh, you know. yeah. Well, that's the other thing about um, when we spoke on the, on, after the game the other night and, um, and the guy was saying, oh, you know, Tottenham could have had Diaz it's one of those, isn't it? It's a bit like saying, didn't didn't Wenger say at one stage, oh, we could have had Ronaldo, mm. or he, he missed his train somewhere, and you know he ended up in Man, you know one of those one of those things. Everybody could have had Diaz, but I think I think Klopp Klopp and the way that Liverpool played sold it to him, absolutely totally sold it to him. He knew that you know just just the way they are and the atmosphere and all that, and he knew he was going to be made into a, into a, a better player, and maybe. Maybe United had looked at him and he sat down with his agent and thought, you know what, I, I don't think I want to go and play in that team at the moment. So, you know, they, they want to go to Liverpool, they want to go to Man City and then possibly go to the rest for, for the dough, I suppose. Mm. But they get the dough everywhere anyway. Just a last point. Arsenal, well, certainly until Thursday, looking very good in fourth place. They're four clear Spurs, same number of games played. Leeds beaten. They are now fighting out with Burnley. You would think Everton, having rustled up some results, are in a decent shape again. They're one clear with a game in hand. So Arsenal 2, yeah. Leeds 1. Uh, two things from this. Uh, Eddie and Kedia. So scored the two goals. Is out of contract at the end of the summer. Yeah. And, you know, for instance, I saw Jamie Carragher saying, well, Arsenal will want to keep him, but he should go. He should absolutely go. He's never going to be first choice there. Uh, what's your read on Enkedia and what a player like that should do in a position like he's in? 
Oh, well, he's, he's, in a, he's in a perfect position, isn't he? I mean, the fact that he played for Leeds on loan as well was quite ironic yesterday. He's in a perfect position because he can just sit back with his agent and wait for the, the deals to come in. I would think the thing, thing with Arsenal would be that, you know, yes, they want to keep him, um, but how much does it cost to keep him? Don't don't forget that, you know, they've had a nightmare with, with a couple of players, haven't they? Paying absolute fortunes for them and they ran the contracts down and cleared off. So... They're very much looking after the the, the pennies uh, at Arsenal, but looks like Lacazette will go, does it not? Mm. So um, I, I just think they should try and keep him within within reason. Spur, um, Spurs but, Arsenal Thursday is very interesting. At, at, yeah, at, is. at Spurs. Yeah, it is. It is. I think it'd be a damp squib, but I think it'd be interesting to watch. Um, but look at you know they've both got some really good players. They are good sides without being outstanding sides but there's a frailty isn't there mm. in both teams you know I mean Arsenal had that great run then did they lose three or four on the on the belts mm. and then Tottenham had to go on a, a great run and go to Burnley and get done one nil and you're kind of looking at your players and you think well you know what what what's all this about and there are I would call them that the, they are both nearly teams they're nearly very good um, on the day, excellent. Mind you, I mean, Leeds were a, Leeds were an absolute mess yesterday. Um, I mean, Aylin's tackle, and I don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe the manager got them wound up. Maybe he got them wound up too much. He probably said, "So look, let's let's get into these." Um, you know, fancy Don's playing from Arsenal and on the ball and all that kind of stuff. Not very physical. Let, let's get into them. But I think his uh, his words were taken too literally. And um, Tottenham. You know, any team with any team with with Kane, obviously, and, and Son, and uh, the boy they've, they've taken as well from from Italy, who's a, who's a good player, plays on plays on the right. Mm. Um, they, they will win you games, and you know you don't have to be brilliant defensively to, to win those games because those, those two stroke three are world class players. But you need more than that, don't you? You know, on, on your bad days in this league, you've got to win. You've just you've just got to win. It doesn't matter how you do it. You just got to win. And I mean, look at look at the number of games that the top two win. It's just absolutely staggering. Yeah, it's insane. Uh, were you sent off much in your career? Uh, no, I were, but I was the first person sent off playing for you uh, playing for Liverpool in Europe in um, where was it? Um, Bul- uh, Bulgaria, Bulgaria, I think it was. Straight red. Um, Straight red, yeah, yeah. The the, the, the linesman put his flag up. I tackled this guy and he went down like a pack of whatever. And I got sent off for striking an opponent. And I never touched him. And then I, and I could swear on my kid's life till, till the day I die and everything. And I came off and Bob Page said, Mark, did he touch you? And I said, Boss, I just tackled him. I said, I never, you know, he went, and I said, he went down holding his head on the far side. And so, so Liverpool asked for the TV um, video. It would be in those days. Yeah. Never got sent. <laughs> never, never got sent. But hey, the, the Bulgarian listen, director I, lost it, did he? Well, yeah, somewhere. And uh, and uh, people forget Kenny Dalglish got sent off in a massive game as well. First time ever for Liverpool against think it Benfica away. We never ever let him down about that one. We keep obviously, obviously, all the time. Every time we see him, hmm. shut up! You got sent off. What are you on about? Yeah, but if you if you make a tackle like Ailing there, especially in that position of the pitch oh. there's no imminent danger there is something off with your mindset isn't there all of them but all of, what about uh, what was his name Raf- Raf- Rafinho 
Ruthenia, yeah. yeah. What about him? He could he could have had five bookings in the space of about a minute. What he was saying to the referee, the referee did brilliant for him. He booked him, and then every time Rafinha shouted at him, the referee looked at him as though to say, "Look, you know, you're very close to overstepping." And then you can see with his old players trying to trying to pull him away, and it's just wow. Mm. But um, Leeds, you know, just strange Leeds at the moment. That was that was that was a very very strange performance. Better in the second half, obviously, but. The game was gone by then. Yeah. Uh, we pretty much got to wrap up. Our football show coverage here is brought to you by Sky. Don't miss Aston Villa Liverpool tomorrow night, live only on Sky Sports. We've been talking with Mark Lawrence. And looking through the texts and the tweets coming in, for all the brilliant analysis, Mark, they're all about whiskey, believe it or not. Uh, somebody, yeah. uh, clearly a connoisseur, wants assurance that it was a glass Lucas A bottle and not some plastic thing. It was glass. No, it had the... It had the uh, Coloured cellophane round it, but it was de- it was definitely Aye. glass. Listen, still, it'll, still it'll have that be touch like, of class. They wouldn't they wouldn't go plastic. No, listen, I'm telling you something now. By the way, huh. they, they pro- it was it was probably never ever like swap for another one. They just get a new one and pour it in the top. You know the old superstitions yeah. and all those kind of and 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 they did. And we we did play a game against Middlesbrough. We'd won the league on the Saturday, played on the Tuesday. I mean, everyone knows this. And we were we played drunk. Um, we went in the pub in the afternoon in Middlesbrough, got drunk and played, drew nil-nil. And we, we kept saying to ourselves, they've not realised, they've not realised on the bench that we're all like, you know, five sheets to the wind. And then somebody said, whiskey bottle, yeah. And apparently they emptied it on the bench watching us play. So, all good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Do you, um, a genuine question. Uh, mm? Would you? Which era would you prefer to play in? That era with the fun... And, and even just taking money out of it for a second, that era with the fun and, and that kind of atmosphere yeah. you described. No, or well, you there, to, there is something to be said for the pitches and, and you know, maximising yeah. and sports science and, and whatever comes with today. Diet, travel, um, all those kind of things and the money. But we just, you know, we just had, we had, we had massive fun. I mean, there's there's 10 of us that live here, which we're, we live about 20 miles north of Liverpool and there's 10 of us all virtually played in the same team, see each other all the time. And, you know, we, we, we still have fun now, but I mean, the fun we had was just absolutely mad. I, rem- I remember, uh, where were we? I think we'd beaten Panathinaikos, Panathinaikos away in the semi-final European Cup. And it was 5-0 over two legs. And um, we stayed over that night because it was a long journey. We didn't go through the night. And uh, we, had a, we had a hat party. But the thing about the hat party was, if you wanted, you only needed to wear a hat. Could you imagine? Could you imagine now Sky Sports if somebody had seen the pictures from that? <laughs> Brilliant, isn't it? Yeah. But it's uh, tough, like, you know, and some of the plays, sorry, I know you've got to go, but, but like, you don't, I don't see Craig Johnson very often because he lives over in between, well, America and Australia, Stevie mm-hmm. Nichols in, in America. But when they come back and we have a do, right, within 10 seconds, and it is 10 seconds, you are back yes. in the dressing room. And it's the same Mickey taking, the same stories, absolutely everything. And you know what? You couldn't put any price of money on that. No, it, sure. The memories, the memories are absolutely brilliant. Do you not think the modern day dressing room will, will have that in thirty years if they no. get together? No, no, I don't. It's just, it's just not quite the same because um, they never really overstepped the mark. But um, some of our gigs away from home in Europe most definitely did. Mm, I'm sure. Mm. Uh, listen, great to have you on. Thanks so much, Mark Lawrence. And pleasure. Pleasure. Thank you.